Hello, Blackhawks fans. Welcome in to Season 3, Episode 3 of the Four Feathers Podcast. This one is called This Team Makes Us Drink. If you watch the Blackhawks at all the season, you know why. I'm Johnny Nani, joined by Ron Luce and Tony Marchese. Guys, good to be back on the mic with all three of you, despite what we're about to unpack here. Like you said at the title episode, Johnny, this team makes me drink, and we'll just we'll leave it at that until we start to dive into this thing. Great to be back with you guys. It's been a long fucking time since we've been on these uh, airwaves talking Blackhawks hockey. Uh, it was a long baseball season for all of us, I think, and uh, it's 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 great to be back with you guys. I think it's it's been since the last time the Hawks played because we took a little bit of a break this uh, this off season, and I'm I'm glad to be back. I know you guys did an episode uh, about a week ago. Um, and talk through some season preview stuff. But uh, I'm just glad to be back with Ron Luce on a microphone. I've, I've seen a lot of Johnny. I've heard a lot of Johnny. Uh, but it, it's great oh, so to have you. No, I'm not bored of you, Johnny. I'm just, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just so happy to be back on a microphone with Ron Luce because he is one of my favorite people to do podcasts with. Yeah, as you mentioned, I had the privilege of being on with Ron. So we have discussed stuff uh, leading up from the kind of onset of training camp and then a uh, checkup in the middle with some preseason action sprinkled in. But now we're finally getting into some pre, uh, excuse me, regular season action here. Blackhawks are playing like it's fucking preseason. Uh, it's been brutal. Oh, three and one start they boys. Better just, in the preseason. Let's just start there. What were your initial That's thoughts it. here for, from this brutal start? I mean, the players are feeling it. The coaches are feeling it. Fans are unhappy. Uh, it's not a good situation right now. Blackhawks have yet to be in the wind column. They've yet to lead in a game. Um, things are bad on West Madison Street. Yeah, they're really bad, Johnny. It's not so great. Like you said, it's fucking embarrassing. And it it just guys, it has gotten me to turn on Jeremy Colleton. Ooh. Which I know Tony just I know that just tickles your I'm just fancy. gonna eat this shit up, especially because it was like hours ago that you wrote an article about why Jeremy Colleton shouldn't be on the hot seat. You can find that over at on tap sportsnet, but Ron. You just wrote an article about him not being on the hot seat. You're saying he's he's made his way into your uh, into your list. He has, and, and the reason for that is, you know, due to some traveling, I was out of town over the weekend. My cousin got married. Uh, you know, I didn't I didn't get to really watch this team from start to end. It was just the highlights. I was like, oh, highlights. Okay, like oh, they maybe they didn't play that bad. I don't know. Kirby Doc's a bright spot. This is great. And then I got to sit down. And the only guy time of the game I got to watch was the third period. And that immediately made a day that I was already like, oh, I'm back from vacation. Just worse, literally worse. And I, I was hoping to talk about a win. And instead, I'm going to be sitting here and telling people why I think it's time, unfortunately, for Jeremy to go. Ron, I, I love everything you're saying right now. It's music to my ears. I was in full preparation mode all day. To come on here and talk to you about the article you wrote, why I think Jeremy Carlton should be on the hot seat. And, you know, I prepared a lot of rebuttals to everything that you were going to say. And now I don't get to use them. So they, I feel like that might have been checkmate in my whole game plan here, uh, you know, coming in. Uh, I'm going to have to reevaluate that. But I didn't expect you to be so vocal about this. You, you mentioned you haven't watched a lot of this team play full games this year. And I said, I think they played better in the preseason. And there, there were some signs in the preseason that got me really excited. I think we talked about this as a group, the fight, the battle, the, the more physical style of play. 
think I posed you guys a question uh, with that. Do you think it's because it's the preseason and guys are trying to make an impact to make this team? And now that you're seeing this first week come through, first impressions is some guys took their foot off the gas from the preseason. Yeah. That's my first impression of this team. Yeah, Tony, there's that. And then I think there's also an element of not playing with each other for too long here. There's a lot of new faces in here. So that is an element of it. And then you throw on Jeremy Collinson's system, whatever the system is, if you know system means just kind of leaving chunks of ice open at free will. Um, All that just combined. And it's just been a shitstorm uh, to, to date and you know you saw it in, in the very early going talk about the season opener at colorado that's an uninspiring start to say the least you're down three before you can even like wake up um it's just they, i will give them credit it settled down a little bit later in that game they did pot a few goals power plays looked okay and some of that new jersey game uh they did come back a little bit at the end there made a rally to force overtime and gain their only point so far but then saturday night was just a regression into absolute terribleness i mean what i think the it was the pens had four goals and the Hawks had three shots uh after one period so that that was just El Brutel Tony you and I were watching we were this is our first Hawks watch party of the year that we got together for yeah. uh terrible occasion for it we were just kind of talking with that thing on as background noise uh that's what it became and then tonight um you, you get into tonight's game we'll dissect this one a little bit more but uh, you start off and you're showing some positive signs that they look good for the first period. I don't think anyone can take that away from, you know, and you still, you know, sure. You wanted to score. I wanted to score there. Uh, I think the game turns a lot differently if they do score within that first period, but um, they, they did play a solid game. They dominated that thing uh, in terms of possession in terms of not letting up chances the other way. And they did that for most of the second period too. Obviously a bad play by Gustafson combined with Stillman kind of lunging behind the net a little over aggressively in my opinion, uh, uh, to let up that second, yeah, the first goal of the game uh, in the second period. Um, and then you saw how easily it can become discombobulated. The team fe- faces a little bit of adversity in the third, and Dono snap. That thing is just gone, disintegrated. Boys, it's fucking embarrassing. That's where I have to leave it at. So follow up from what we've just watched in front of our eyes tonight, uh, this game against the Islanders. Let's kind of start there, and then we can work our way through some of these other issues, more overarching topics. Yeah, guys, I mean, this is just ugly. And and you said it too, Johnny. Like, I, I have a little bit of a hot take here, and it relates to the play of guys like Gustafson tonight and Stillman. Like, is Caleb Jones missed? Because he looked really good in the preseason. That's a guy that I think this team could honestly use right now because, holy hell, I don't know why they thought bringing Gustafson back was a good idea. And it's like he's rubbing off on the rest of the defense right now. Uh, Tony, I love, you know, what you guys said about taking that, you know, kind of foot off the pedal. And it felt like that in tonight's game, right? They took the foot off the pedal, Johnny. You noted the good first period, and then all of a sudden they didn't look like the same team anymore. So I don't know what the hell's going on. And I, again, and I'll, I'm going to bring that back to Colleton. Like, how how do you get these guys a little more inspired? Can you give a speech like the famous "It's fucking embarrassing" speech? Just do something. Yell at them. I don't care what it's going to take. Do something to get this team going because they can't play a full sixty minutes right now. And there's guys on this team that should look a lot better than they have. You got to do something. And maybe it truly is to, you know, for Stan to be, you know, kind of swallow his pride and, and get rid of the guy that he truly believed in. I haven't had a lot of opportunities to voice opinions about this team and the organization as a whole. Um, 
through the summer because we we weren't on these airwaves as much. But Ron, I like I, I'm gonna take what you said and I'm gonna take it a step further. For the casual fan of this team and taking your foot off the gas coming out of the gate and and and, and not drawing up any interest in the city of Chicago, like let's look at this as a sports fan as a whole, right? You just had the White Sox get eliminated from the playoffs. You had the Chicago Sky win a championship. There was some things behind that, and people rallied around this. This this city is starving for another team right now to take the fucking reins and be that team. You've got the Chicago Bears out there getting their asses kicked by the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers telling the city, I still fucking own you. The Blackhawks did a really fucking good job from 20, like 2009 through 2017 of owning this city and setting a reputation for themselves to be the team that this city rallies behind. It's opening night. I don't think any of us were there. It wasn't even like, I mean, guys, if this team was fucking relevant, we would have fucking been at the United Center tonight as a group. We would have made it fucking happen. It just it, that's where we're at right now. And when you come out of a preseason after your your GM Stan Bowman goes out and makes acquisitions to try and salvage the last little bits that you're going to get of Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, and you blow it in consecutive games in in just embarrassing fucking fashion when your organization has been in national headlines for all of the wrong reasons, it looks like you're fucking mailing it in right now. Tickets were 14 fucking dollars to go to this game. Where are we at? Where is the accountability? Where is the product on the ice? You're losing a fan base that was so bought in to everything that was going on here. And it's systematically been destroyed at each and every single level to now we're at this point where you're five, you're you're going on five, six games into the season and you're going to have to figure out ways to get people to show up and you're releasing it's Marion Hosa night before your home opener even happens. And you know what? I want to show up to Marion Hosa night because I fucking love Marion Hosa. But it, this 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 whole entire fucking thing right now stinks from the head down, and it looks like you're trying to play on the emotions of guys like me, guys like you, to go show up to arenas to see Marion Hosa skate around the ice for five minutes and watch subpar hockey with a team that you, you can't fire the coach on because the GM has put so much stake into public statements about it that you have Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane making statements about Jeremy Carlton's fucking system a week into the fucking season. Give me a fucking break, guys. Yeah, Tony, just to talk about the you know state of how far we've fallen here uh, in this thing. Not only were the tickets extremely cheap, and you know you could get those on especially secondary markets, uh, very cheap, uh, close, you know, inching up to game time here tonight. Um, you also had the team boot off the ice. They're booed off the ice tonight at the United Center in their home opener. Um that's just kind of unheard of uh, over the past, you know, 15 I'll years. Ask you guys really. a question. Do you think Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane want to be booed off the ice in their home opener right now? Fuck no. As their contracts come to an end? Absolutely not. 
Do you think they want to answer questions about Jeremy Collins' system? <laughs> or do you think they want to fucking win? Like, what, what else do they have left in their careers? Like, this is a big, 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 big fucking problem right now. Do something about it. Because bringing back the orchard, while it's cool and tough, isn't going to fucking get people's asses in seats. It's not going to fucking happen. Right. Yeah. Um, that, Tony, it's uh, one thing that, um, as much as everyone's frustrated, and I know um, the, the calls have been here for Jeremy Collins, it's been, it's been a long time building. It was happening last That's year. It was start. happening. Happening, start. Yeah, it was happening the year before. I mean, let's talk about it. And it was, I will, I told Ron before we jumped on, I think even if this team started two, one, and one, you'd still have those calls no matter what. Um, A, I don't think it's going to happen. Do I think it should happen? Um, I mean, there needs to be something, some sort of urgency change here. Uh, but no, I don't think it's going to happen. So the only thing that can rectify this, guys, in my mind, is starting to win. That's it. And all be all win hockey games. Simple. Stupid. Hey, winning cures everything. But yeah, exactly. Winning cures everything. Yeah, go, it goes back to that. That's that's all I've got on that. Ron, chime in here. Yeah, honestly, I I agree with you guys. Like, it's almost starting to feel like, even if you brought in a new coach, is that really going to change anything? Like, that's where I'm team, at, Ron. Because yeah, like if everyone this... wants to say fire Colladin, just like I want to say fire Nagy. Give me your give me your best, you know, insertion there. That's right, like. That's like what I no, want to hear. Like no, like unless that coach comes in and just that maybe like sense of urgency kicking the ass this team truly needs finds its way, like nothing's gonna change. Your attendance numbers are still gonna suck. You're almost having to look if you're Rocky Words. Maybe you even go higher than the coach. And I know you were kind of alluding to this a little bit tone earlier. Maybe it is. Maybe it's time to truly blow this thing up. Let's let's and stop trying to hold on to the last few years of Kane and Taves to try and remain relevant. Here, and the worst the part about that, that. It, the yeah, the worst part about that is they're all bought in for this year, Ron. I'm expecting playoffs or bust still, even granted, you know, this start sucks, but I'm still expecting it's playoffs or bust based on what they did. And that wasn't that wasn't my just expectations of me being an overly optimistic fan. That's what Stan Bowman told me when he signed Seth Jones, when he when he traded for him and then signed him to the extension. When he signed Mark or trade for Mark Andre Fleury, granted it was for nothing, but you know what I'm saying. You, you get the gist that I'm going for here. These moves, these guys that were brought in. He said that himself in his actions. So right. that's that's on him. And if and if these guys were performing to I think the level that most of them can. They should be a playoff team. They should be relevant. But, like, why isn't McKay being the positive player? Was he truly just a really good bottom, you know, four guy? Or is he a guy that can truly be a top pairing guy? Is Seth Was Seth Jones truly carried by Zach Wierenski in Columbus? Like, is that a real thing now? And all of a sudden you got the Wierenski. Wierenski is the same number in Columbus for Jones. And I don't even know if he has an NMC. Maybe it is for a couple of years. Who knows? That's that's where this is starting to feel too, which is scary. You know, we're we're the Vegas Golden Knights geniuses for just giving away Mark Andre Fleury. Like, I don't want to talk about those headlines all season. I, I, I don't want to believe this, it's I real. I talked about this with with Johnny last night, I think, or two nights ago on the Mark Andre Fleury thing. Is he yeah, bought in? Out. It's a good one. That's a good one. Is is he bought in right now? Like, let's be honest with ourselves. If if you're coming to your job every day and there were headlines about you not wanting to be there and 
there were, you know, your or, your prior organization handled things poorly. There's debate about you retiring from the game. You're a well-respected NHL goaltender. You're coming to Chicago to play for Jeremy fucking Colleton? And Johnny, you brought this up yesterday. He's fucking younger than you. And yes. Jeremy Colleton's pulling Marc-Andre Fleury from fucking hockey games a couple games into the year against his former fucking team. Tell or me, he Mark- partially did that to himself, too. Well, he but tell shit me- the bet on it second yeah, goal shit on the bet Saturday on it. night. So. But is he invested in this? Is he invested to- in Jeremy Colleton's fucking system? A point when to it- what you're talking about right there, Tony. Yeah. That it doesn't look like he is. is. Is he invested in the system that fucks him in the ass every single time he goes out there and tries to fucking stop pucks because he doesn't have any defenders that can, that can competently cover him? Is he worked into this? Is there a plan here? Where where did yeah. Jeremy Colleton work with Mark Andre Fleury over this course of time? Where Stan Bowman is out here saying Stanley Cup or bust. You've got a guy on a one year fucking deal to come in here and stop pucks in a system that he doesn't fucking know, and that Jeremy Colleton has yet to explain to any of us with any sort of level of competence to explain to us how it fucking works. So either he's got some fucking like magic book. Of of this system that that works, I don't know how many percentages of the time. I'm waiting for you know it to normalize itself because it looks like Mark Andre Fleury goes out there and collects the rest of his contract and gets paid and doesn't have to care about going and winning a Stanley Cup this year because he's saving fucking face to make his fucking money. Is he bought in? That's the coach's job. Where's the onus on it? Well, and Tony, I'm glad you said that too because friend of the program, Tab Bamford, chimed in on Twitter and I said, I'm honestly wondering if there comes a point that Fleury walks into Stan's office and says, thanks, but I'm done. Pretty sure he didn't talk himself into coming to Chicago instead of retiring for this. And that that encompasses it perfectly. Like, you're then you just start to look at this. You know what this starts to feel like then? Remember when the when the Marlins changed from the Florida Marlins to the Miami Marlins and they went and got Ozzy Gian and they went and got all these really big free agents and they blew it up at the trade deadline? That's literally what this is starting to feel like in hockey standards. Like, we're going to be the Blackhawks again. We're going to be playoff relevant. We're going to go get Seth Jones, Jake McCabe. And you know, Seth's little brother, because it's gonna be a great storyline. These are and desperation moves by an organization that is desperate to maintain what it had but could not sustain. Exactly. You know, you 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 reached that peak success where you were relevant in the Chicago land market. You reached that point where hundreds of thousands of people showed up and, and had a parade for you. And now just, you know, <laughs> mere years later, it's $14 to get back in the in, into the game. You know, I saw somebody online today pay 70 bucks and sit like eighth row. Holy shit, man. I would have loved to have paid 70 bucks to sit in the in standing room. Amen. In 2013. And guess what? On opening night. In 2014, 2016, and 2011, after those teams won cups, it was hundreds of dollars to get into the upper level and hear that barn rock. 
And this organization has had every single chance to keep itself relevant. You've seen teams do it. You've seen Pittsburgh do it. You've seen Tampa remain like through this whole entire thing. You've seen Nashville do it. You've seen Vegas go on a little stretch here. There, there, there's just something wrong with the Hawks' ability to compete in the modern-day market. I don't know what it is, but when you still have the same core of guys running things that you did years ago and less competent NHL-level coaches, Jeremy Carlton versus Joel Quinville, I don't know what to tell you. You're fucked. Uh, that goes back to my point. We can sit here and go and bitch and moan about these problems all night, guys. And that's what we've been doing for the first 20 minutes of this podcast. And rightfully so. I get it. The only answer is to start winning. That is it. That is literally all they have. And the front office guys are banking, you know, they have to be banking on the players to and Jeremy Collin to make that happen on the ice. That is literally the only way you go from here. The only thing you can do. Yeah, I mean, because... Johnny, if it keeps up, like you said, this thing comes crumbling to the ground and the Blackhawks are, are starting to creep back toward those levels of pre-Kane and Taves where like you could walk up to the stadium the night of in 2003. Yeah, people did that tonight. For, they yeah, mentioned it literally. on the broadcast. Yeah, they were worried about bucks. having 4,000 extra seats and there was a walk-up crowd. Well, of course. Crazy. Like there's still there's still that enough fringe fan, but this goes on another year or two. You're not going to have those people. They're not going to walk in. And I guarantee you over the next like stretch of games, things are going to get a little bit scary. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it, it again, it's literally like you said, it's it's starting to feel like that regression. It's starting to feel like the 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 common hockey fan that, you know, was roaring from, like you said, 2009 to 2017 effectively are starting to fade. And that will continue to happen if something doesn't change, especially when you generate this buzz entering the season at the same time that your compadres that share the stadium with you and the Chicago Bulls do effectively the same thing. And sure, they haven't played yet. But basketball is enough of a sport where like you go out and do that. Your team's going to be competitive. Like you know. In hockey... There is no guarantee, but everybody falls easier. Yep. Yeah. You know, less players and everything like that. One player can have more impact on a team. And then the Hawks go out and they do this. And everybody's like, ooh, okay. They're at least the playoff team this year, right? We all got our self-hype about that. Johnny, you and I talked about Stan, it. Stan told me. I didn't. Yeah. That wasn't me setting the expectation. No. That was Stan. Right. But like, and even you could read between the lines of just, the, the the nature of the moves they made, it was, hey, yeah. we want to remain playoff relevant, especially when Kane and Taves are still here. And yes, they have pieces. I I'm I, at least I see one glimmering bright spot in all this is Kirby Doc right now. Yeah. Continuing to evolve into play the player that does I, he remain with the team long term. Oh, he's a first round draft pick, so you know he's yeah, gotta get so traded you know, at some Stan's point. Stan's yeah. got like <laughs> Stan's got a thing against his own first round draft picks. Johnny Johnny and Tony, I will tell you guys right now, if that happens, I, I may need to go on like temporary leave from four feathers because I will I will absolutely lose it because he's like the one glimmering spot of hope right now Yeah. that might I also add is on record that I said the team should take. And it's a little pat on the back. I like to give myself there. Humble little brag. But nonetheless, like the one piece that you can 
build around for the future. Like he's that type of talent, in my opinion. And I think we're starting to really see that this year. I think he takes the biggest step forward on this team. If you can't build around that for the future, like, yeah, you can still be relevant with an older Kane and Taves if you've got that type of talent, but you got to get the right guys there and you got to get the right coach there. And that's where I'm going to reiterate. I think Jeremy Colleton can be a good coach someday. But like you said, when Mark andre Fleury is still older than you, yeah. do you have any business being an NHL coach? He was rushed to the NHL, and he was not ready. And that's that's on Stan. You know, Tony, you mentioned before we got on your anger with Stan Bowman. That's on Stan, too, for rushing a guy that, sure, maybe he sees potential in, but was not nearly ready. Why would you do that? Hey, sometimes bold moves don't work. Yeah. But I think the redeeming quality here is, you know, I'll give you more leash, Dan, if you admit the mistakes and and go get somebody in here to do the job the way it needs to be done. And let's let's talk about some of the organizational stuff that goes along with that. You've got a marketing problem. The Blackhawks have a marketing problem right now. They have a huge marketing problem. They had a, an expert marketing guy with a team that was also a great product on the ice. You don't have a great product on the ice and you no longer have John McDonough's marketing mind behind the team. And for the Blackhawks to be relevant in a big market like Chicago, you're seeing the effects of both of those things happen at the same time. And it's hard to do it. And the only way to fix it is, is is what Johnny said. It's just win. So if you're not going to go out there and, and, and say that you've got the best product on the ice right now as an organization, there, there's your problem. It, it is Jeremy Carlton, and I consider him an on-ice guy. He's down there with the team. Is, is he what you're putting all of your faith in right now to lead Patrick Kane, Marc-Andre Fleury, and Jonathan Taves and develop young – like he came in with, with this, this sense that he's going to develop guys, right? Like that was his thing. This guy knows how to, to develop young talent. Is Marc-Andre Fleury and Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, which are essentially your cornerstones that you're booking this around, and Seth Jones – and Alex Dabrinkit in need of development right now. No, this is a team that screams, go win. Go be a playoff team. Go be a playoff team. Then then what? why he was brought in here to, to develop this team and the young guys, which arguably didn't happen because Chris Kunitz was skating 14 minutes a night. Is he the guy that you fucking want right here, right now? trying to lead this team back to the playoffs where you can't even fucking sell tickets to go watch two of the greatest NHL players and, and Blackhawks ever skate on the ice on a fucking Tuesday night at a Blackhawks home opener. There's, there's the fair question. And now how do you capture the casual fan? That's where I'm at with this team right now. It's painful. You guys, you guys have gotten so long winded with this shit. I'm sorry, Tony, not to discredit what you just said. You go and fucking win. You rattle off five in a row. You create some buzz around it. And then, yeah, it's a, to your point then, too, it sounds like you want John McDonough back, too, if you really want marketing uh, back up in the no, sky. No, because now you've got other issues that, like, 
I don't even want well, to. Well, that's what you said. I I'm that. just I'm just going no, off what you said because you had their expert marketing guy that they let go he, of. So now was, it's all in the shitter. So he was an expert marketing guy. You can't argue with. So you got to bring him back, right? No, yeah. you don't have to. You don't have to. I'm saying that's where the problem is with this team is you don't have those resources anymore. You don't have. You're you're bringing the orchard back because you're playing on Blackhawks legacy fandom. You're trying to draw back in the people that cared about this team for so long that you're going to start bringing things back. You see it with the Orchard. You see it with Marion Hosea. You're trying to just capture anything right now. It screams desperation to me. Fair. Yeah. And desperate's a really good word for it, too. I mean, that's that's kind of where it's getting. I mean, and now, gentlemen, to your points, you know, do we look – you know, if if they can't just win, because I agree, Johnny, at this point, that's the only hope they have, because then you need to start looking higher. Yeah. Do you all of a sudden look at Rocky oh, yeah. and say, hey, Rocky, you need to do something about this. Your team, the people you have in charge of it are not doing their job properly from head to toe. Do you start to look at that? And then there's pressure on that to happen, to just totally clean house, start over and bring in a breath of fresh air, because... To Tony's point, you know, they made McDonough's job easy. They were winning games, and then he was the mind that could turn it into the the, the, the empire that it became. But now you don't have a, a good mind, per se, up there. And on top of that, you're just riding the, you know, the Marion Hosa, the entire experience of that legacy because you're trying to distract the common fan from them not winning right now. I agree with Johnny. It all comes back to that point. This team is at a point. It's either you you start to win or this yeah. thing gets blown up yeah. like, and, like nobody's business. Yeah, and I'm just offering, you know, solutions in the short term here because this is just, you know, it's go as of what we're at right now here, Tuesday, October 19th, after this home opener here, uh, approaching, you know, the midnight hour here. Um that's just where we're at. I'm assuming that Stan and Jeremy are still going to have their offices uh, at Fifth Third Arena tomorrow when they, they're not going to be locked out tomorrow. It would be, I think, uh, a lot of people would be happy in the in the very short term, and it'd be like a day of celebration for them if they were. Fix it. But at the same time, yeah, that's what I was driving at there. It ain't going to fix it. Winning is the thing there now. Um, one last question on this before, because I do want to, you know, we've talked a lot about front office and coaching, and that is all very pertinent. And obviously that's going to draw ire here when you start like this. But we do need to talk about players on the ice. But before that, um, just on this thing uh, topic while we're here, I saw a tweet the other day and just sparked. I forget who it's from. Uh, it's someone on Blackhawks Twitter. So if you sent this out, thank you to, for doing it. But someone said, I missed the rebuild. And it was kind of late as a joke. But do you kind of miss the rebuild? Because your expectations are tempered. And it was, you know, granted, I think COVID did them a little bit of a help, you know, there. As in the not having fans, a shortened season, the able to bring in some young guys and whatever. But do you miss the rebuild at all? It's so asinine to say as a sports fan. but. At this point, with where we're at right now, it's a fair question. It's asinine, but like to the not totally to the point, Johnny, where it's like not totally off because it is at least in that moment, it felt like Black Blackhawks fans had hope. There was the hope that Kirby Doc is is going to become what he is going to become, but there was at least the hope that there was going to be more guys there to help him, more youth. Maybe the you know just something was going to click and they were going to take that whole next step forward as a team. And then they go and add stuff too. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh. and it's like, 
it's like the we'll it's see. like pulling into the end of a roller coaster, Johnny. Yeah. We're just starting to it's getting stale still, and right. everybody's kind of sitting here going, "What the hell's happening?" Right. That's a good, that's a good point, Ron. Because in the summer, they did what everyone wanted them to do. If you wanted to be competitive right now, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there, there are sects that are different that d- differentiate in the line of thought. There, maybe some people thought should have stayed the course and not trade the. You know, there's some people that like the you know holding the picks, holding the young prospects, all this and that. But then the other people want to give it another go, t- uh, Taves and Kane, and that's something that we've all talked about together too here. And it's like you kind of had to do it, yeah. Tony, I think you and I discussed that. We did, Johnny. And you know what? Like, I, I'm conflicted. Like, this is where I'm at with this the, this this fandom of this team right now. And it's 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 a real crossroads problem. And I think I've been, as you said, long-winded on this. It's it's so sad to see. It's like watching a train wreck right now for me, where it's like you can't take your eyes off of it off of it because you're so invested in what this team did for you. I mean, like, like, let's be real. Like, as a sports fan, that might be the the high that you get. As a sports fan, that might be like the first time you know. Like, I, I'm not going to compare it to drugs, but I'm going to compare it to drugs. Like, that's the first time somebody takes ecstasy. Is is those fucking five years as a Hawks fan, and I'm always going to crave that the rest of my fucking life. And if you can't get to that level. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm never going to be happy. So I'm always going to be searching for it. And the lows are so fucking low right now that like, I need a hit. I need a fucking hit of that right now. I need a fucking yeah. hit of it. And <laughs> it, it looks like I can't fucking find it anywhere because I'm just dead broke. And I'm looking at Jeremy Carlton's fucking face every night. And I'm like, I have no fucking <laughs> faith in you that you're going to ever be able to provide that for me ever. Yeah. Don't so you can go. Like that's that's what I can equate it to. Like yeah, that's like the, the the only thing I can equate it to is we had such a high, and now it's like, dude, where the fuck am I? It was it was top of the hockey kingdom. Yeah, it, 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 it was. was where you. Yeah, the, so I totally get where you're coming from. And it's I've just got like, like sixty a... more years of life left, and and I I'm just gonna keep killing Budweisers talking about <laughs> this team. And like it's just looking just back, chasing back that and, again. Are 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 the Blackhawks the modern day Oilers? I don't dude, trying to like, trying like, to still climb onto that we high. Sitting here talking about the fucking 2013 Blackhawks. Like you, you go to Chicago sports, it's like that is, is that era like our 85 Bears, where we're just gonna be sitting here for the next oh, 60 please, fucking no. years we'll be, going <laughs> like we'll be why can't we get back to like this? that? <laughs> dude, this is a real fucking question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's are you ever going to get there? And I, unfortunately, there's no overnight answer here. I wish there was, but Tony, while an extreme example, I do think it's very, very uh, um, impactful uh, the the way that you describe that because it is you you got you got to the top and you were riding high for a while. A dynasty, you had a dynasty, you had the first salary cap era dynasty. Let's, I mean, that was something to be proud of, and that was something that you know made hockey fans out of a lot of Chicago sports fans. Um, And it's going to be, this is the part that I want to get to. It's going to be really hard to maintain that through people's lives. When you go out and you put a subpar product out there every year, you're going to lose that fan. Those 15 year olds that loved hockey in high school, Mm -hmm. it's going to be really hard to keep them through the next 10 years. And as a franchise, You've got a real problem there because you got them so invested. 
You gave them a drug. You gave them fandom. You gave them hockey. Oh, like fucking winning playoff hockey. overtime hockey and winning hockey is a drug. It absolutely is. That's why we're sitting here talking about this on a podcast at fucking midnight. And now you're trying to figure out how to fucking like make money off of these people. So it's Marion Hosa night. That's where we're at. And it's very fucking disappointing to sit here and look at it from this perspective where you can't fucking win games. Your guy that you got in for free and Mark Andre Fleury, who's a world-class goaltender is getting pulled against his former team. How do you get through the rest of the year? Why do you tune into four feathers to talk about this team? It's bad right now. Yeah, it's bad. And I think we need to talk about why some of this is happening here. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, we talked a lot about the top and we talked a lot about the coaching um, here um, and just general problems surrounding the Blackhawks. Well, guess what? The game is played on the ice. Uh, There's been some good, a lot of bad so far. So I want to get your guys' takeaways from, I know, Ron, you haven't been able to watch too, too much, but um, overall, just through the first, what you've liked from certain guys, what you haven't from certain guys, um, new additions that maybe are uh, looking better than you thought or underwhelming you or what, whatever it may be. Uh, it's time to air it out here. Yeah, I think a couple guys that I'm at least very happy about, and at least I was happy about one of these guys tonight, uh, a, a fan favorite of ours here at Four Feathers, and that's Calvin DeHaan. Uh, was positive in all statistical categories if you're a numbers nerd like me tonight. Uh, really, and he's been playing as a top-pairing defenseman. And, you know, uh, you know, I call him a three, I think, right now because he's playing with Jones. And he's that defensive guy. Like, he's taking kind of that Nick Jalmerson role uh, of old. And it's beautiful to see. But Kirby Doc is, is the true bright spot, I think, for me in all of this. Uh, obviously, two goals already added an assist tonight. He's been the the best player on the team by far and beyond, and that's great to see. But then, Johnny, to your point about you know what the the new guys like Jake McCabe has been just absolutely abused these first yeah, few games. I, I need to chime in here, Ron, just really quick on Jake McCabe because you and I were both really high on him, and I still have high hopes for him. I do think he Agreed. is a solid defenseman, but it's like the office. It's Stanley with the chili. That is Jake McCabe and Connor Murphy as a pair right now. That is exactly it. You agree? That's a perfect analogy, Johnny, because it's like, yeah, it's just, just they're kind of falling all over themselves. Like there's the potential there and it's like, it's incredible if it happens. And, but yeah, like it's just kind of that fumbling right now. And it feels like kind of Seth Jones is fumbling, you know, and, and, and obviously, yeah, all these guys have never played together and they do need to gel, but it's like, you got to figure it out soon because like you guys said, then it's like, you can only get so far into a hole before you can't climb out and then it just affects everything else. So, you know, he's been tough. Jones has been tough. Uh, Tyler Johnson's had his flashes, but like, eh, he scares me. At least the big guns have looked good for the most part. It's just weird because it's like, you just expected so much more. Like the expectations were high because like Johnny said, Stan told us so. It's, it's like, honestly, guys, I'm going to say this. It's really hard for me to pick out any positives. Go through negatives. Over the, That's fine. Over the first few games, it's 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 really hard for me to pick out positives. And I want to give positive credit. And, and I go back to something I said earlier this episode, the preseason. I had more fun watching those games than I've had watching any of these regular season games. And I, I messaged you guys about it. I said, I think this team has some extra fight. I think they've got some 
some different mentality to them. And I want to see that physicality. I want to see the Hawks be a, be a bully. If, if, if you're going to be a bad team, be at least a bully, right? Like if, if you're not going to make the playoffs this year, go frustrate people. Go do something that's entertaining for me to watch as a hockey fan. I'm having a lot of trouble finding positives here. Ron, you bring up Kirby Doc. One thing that I've noticed out of Kirby Doc is there's an incredible amount of scoring chances when the puck is on Kirby Doc's stick. You don't finish him. When does it come? A lot of people say, like, you keep getting the chances, it's going to come for you. I've seen that game with Kirby Doc so far through his entire career at the NHL level where he'll burn a guy and have the puck on his stick and, and something just doesn't go the way it should. Guess what? I watched the same thing happen with Patrick Kane and he finished those shots. I've watched that happen with Jonathan Taves. I've watched that happen with Marion Hosa. I've watched that happen with Patrick Sharp. When is this guy going to start finishing? So I just feel like there's just so much hope there. And I, I, I'm so broken on this team right now. And this is like a therapy session for me. But like, I, I'm, I, I just want to know when it happens. Yeah. Yeah. When does Kirby Doc go off for four goals in a game because he doesn't have an unfortunate bounce or a, or, or a fucking poke check? Because I've seen it. I've seen it on the other side. Yeah. So I have a lot of trouble getting there. But I think. I think there was a lot of pressure coming into this. If I'm going to take any silver lining last observations is as Johnny said, you start to string a few wins together. If Kirby doc can figure out how to string together seven goals over the next fucking 10 days, like that would be amazing. And I'll, I'll eat my words, Johnny, as you like to say, like prove me wrong. Like that's where I am with this team right now. Prove me fucking wrong. Mm -hmm. Kirby doc, go out there and score a hat trick. Fucking prove me wrong. But right now, at least to me, I'm looking at it. And I'm like, this is just unlucky written all over it. Go get it done. That's all yeah. you have. Yeah, Tony, and that, that's a very like fair frustration. Um, although, and I think it's kind of the rest of the team bringing the bar down um, around him because nobody else is maybe getting that kind of quantity of looks. So you're like, oh, okay, well, at least you gave the Blackhawks their best chance tonight. And it's like, okay, was it really that good of a chance or was he the only one just doing it? And uh, there was that. But, you know, overall, though, Kirby Doc has been a positive this season. Um, I agree um, with the both sentiments there from what Ron had talked about. And then, Tony, with you, you do want to see him finish. You want to be, you want him to be yeah. that elite level score. Um, I just look at, and Alex to bring it, uh, you know, he had a break, you know, breakout 41 goal year. Then he gets snake bitten and what scores like 19 uh, in the following year. Uh, and then he's right back to that. And I know there are different styles there, but um, Hey, the people may have doubted the cat during that kind of drop off season and he came right back and responded. So I'm hoping uh, that can kind of be Kirby's breakout. And it's also just different, I think, playing center and wing there. But um, another thing, too, is just from a tactical standpoint, it seems like he moved. He's I understand he's like really long and lanky, so it's, you know, not pucks, not always as close to him as it may be to a guy like the Brinkett. But I feel like he's moving extremely fast, which you have to do in today's NHL, but it may be catching up to him a little bit at the end where he can't get it exactly where he needs it to finish. So hopefully that is something that uh coaching staff, maybe not 
someone named Jeremy Colladin is working on with them uh, to finish there. Uh, I've, I've got one last positive to yeah. drop from this season. Um, this isn't anything that happened on the Blackhawks ice, but uh, I'm an avid NHL player uh, on Xbox. And my favorite moment so far this season was I was in a online versus game against a guy who was playing with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And uh, you know that anybody who's playing with the Tampa Bay Lightning probably isn't from Florida, and they're just on NHL to uh, to rack up wins. Um, I scored a goal against him to go up 4-3 with like three minutes left in the third period with Philip Khrushchev. And uh, because I just had my headphones off and I wasn't in a party chat, you can actually hear the other person uh, talking. And when I scored that goal – the individual on the other end of, of the receiving said, the fuck kind of create a player is Philip Kershev that Stan Bowman just fucking figured out out of nowhere and brought him here. <laughs> and it was the best moment. And I've been saving that one for a while. This dude was legit mad that Philip Kershev scored a goal in that situation. And I was just like, that's the proudest I've been of the Blackhawks in forever is that this guy is fucking mad online at one in the morning while I'm beating him in Chell on a Philip Kurashev goal. And he has no idea who the fuck Philip Kurashev is. Yeah, you should have and I'm told- like, there it's, you go. That's Blackhawk legend shit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's one of Stan's, uh, you know, uh, European picks um, over there. You know, he just goes and picks them out seemingly uh, from uh, overseas. But so um, there's some positives here. Yeah, like, there, yeah. There's my positives. I can no. frustrate people on Chell. Yeah, guys no, like Philip Kirsch. So uh, mine, mine kind of coincide here. I won't go too long because you guys touch a lot of names. But Seth Jones, I've had a you know just kind of a, there's high expectations, and naturally there is just because he he was a big acquisition. It was a big headline uh, of draft day that whole trade, um, bring him over and then signing him to the long extension afterwards. So I expect big things, and they said it on even on the ESPN broadcast that was pedestrian at best tonight, but they even knew it there too. You need Seth Jones to be your best defenseman, not just a solid defenseman. You do. You can be your best. So I was really upset. Looked terrible in the season opener against Colorado. But I'll give him credit. He looked much, much better. And he looked like he was controlling the play. And he also destroyed someone uh, as he was racing for the puck in the game against New Jersey. So looked much better there. Um, nobody looked good on Saturday night in Pittsburgh. So I can't hey, give Johnny, him I like big hits and I cannot lie. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, in tonight's game, I would say for the most part, for the first you know 40 minutes as a whole, the team played okay. So you you can't even fault Jones there. But once again, uh, he's maybe not his fault, but he's out there for a goal against a late couple of them uh, against the Islanders in this game that ended up being four, nothing or four to one. Um, So it's like back down to the shoot with Seth Jones. So I just need to see that. You you just got to prove that you're the number one. And I know you're not going to get it for the whole extent of the contract, but um, at least in the early going, this is your prime years. You got him in his prime. Well, let's go and see that more consistently. Uh, Already touched on Kirby doc. Uh, other than that guy that I've just been disappointed with is Jake McCabe because I was so hyped for him coming into this year. I thought he was going to just be a solid rock type of uh, defenseman. So I think part of it is Kaladin's system because that D, uh, when they don't pick up those wings cleanly, especially when you're facing a fast team like the Avalanche, uh, you get looking like Stanley from the office filling the chili uh, with him and Connor Murphy. It happens there. Uh, Riley Stillman for the first three games. I would say I liked his uh, play. And then tonight, um, not very good at all from Riley Stillman. A lot of people want to go and blame Gus. uh, And that's another guy I think everybody can kind of be like, since you haven't contributed anything offensively, 
probably nothing positive to say about him and especially him going to poke around the back of the net tonight. But everyone wants to go and just pick out Gus there. Well, guess what? Riley Stillman already had support behind the net and he went and go, went to play the body there, completely taking himself out even more than Gus did. I don't hear anyone shitting on Riley Stillman there, um, but I'm gonna. So I know it's a whole team effort and there's, you know, certain man coverages that are going on behind the net there. But shit, if maybe if Stillman doesn't overcommit on that, then you don't end up with that goal in the back of your net in the second period there. So that's what I've got from positive negatives here. But overall, from the first three games, I can't say too much better. Riley Stillman until tonight. Seth Jones, an up and down thing. Kirby Doc's been consistently good up front. Power play overall, been good until tonight. So let's hope that can help carry them. That's about all I've got from observations on the ice. Anything else before we get closing down here? Yeah, last quick add is just that Maybe some of that Stillman and Gus stuff too shows that the Colleton system is broken. It's really hard to play man yeah. D in a league that has become so fast. I think maybe maybe Colleton's system is old school and it just doesn't work in today's day, day and age in the NHL. Like maybe that's kind of what it feels like because it was a lot easier to play man on guys back in the early two thousands than it is to today's NHL. I think it, it it has to do with the entries and where you're picking up guys because the zone doesn't allow someone to pick up the puck carrier right away until they enter that zone where they're at. And if you're not set up, that's what it's trying to eliminate. So I get with so many fast puck handlers in this league, I get the concept behind it, but you also have to have the personnel. And unfortunately that personnel, they all have to be like between ages 20 and 24 for it to work ideally perfect, you know? Yeah, you need you need that speed. Like you need that 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 elite speed. And right now in today's NHL, like the Hawks don't have enough of that right now. They aren't the Tampa Bay Lightning or like the Colorado Avalanche who have that team speed. They just don't have it, and they can't. It just doesn't keep up with the system, and it's it's a flawed system for sake of the roster. Guys, you hit kind of a point here, like. You're you're banking on some older guys to be your leaders in, in a system that that doesn't work for them and might be outdated. I think it's hilarious that you called Jeremy Carlton the, like, the youngest coach in the NHL. His system's outdated. That's a red like I, I Twitter think, had like a lot of red flags going on. Yeah. Like it, I feel like it would be really hilarious if like it was like Jeremy Carlton is your head coach. Like just fill the rest of the other characters with red flag. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a guys, that's a red flag. Guys, I, I think that, you know, Ryan, when you talk about that, um I understand what you're saying about how it used to be, but I do think there's a shift back towards that. As long as you have the personnel, man is actually probably the better to play there. It actually is, but that's all contingent on you having the proper pieces in place. So you got to coach your personnel. So that's where this connect is, in my opinion. Systematic. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Johnny. I think this, the system could work with the right personnel, but we haven't seen that yet. And therefore, you know, 
something's got to give. You have and, to you have to adjust to your guys, and that's yeah. the mark of a of a coach that has a lot of promise versus a great coach. And right now, this team is in that position where they need that great coach if they're going to be competitive. Yeah, guys. Last thing, and we've talked a lot, and a lot of this has been contingent on defense and playing, you know, systematic defense here. I'm but- just so happy that Johnny said this episode was going to be 30 minutes, and we are yeah. closing in on 52. So mission yeah, accomplished, everybody. Absolutely, we, we went longer than Johnny thought we were going to go. Yeah, we're we're we're. I mean, we're we're getting close to wrapping up here. But I got one one last thing because a lot of focus has been on defense and easy to when you're letting up a lot of goals. But at the same time, you need to score goals at the other end. It just has not been happening very much um, at all. Overall, where is power play has been a little bit. There's that. There's just the issue of firepower not showing up. But there's also an issue of people that if you're lacking in offense, why don't you get another good set of hands in there instead of bringing in Mike Hardman? Let's deal with Dylan Strom. Thoughts on him, Ron? Yeah. Is he going to get a look? That's that's where we're at right now. I don't think he is. And and Johnny, honestly, I think that's going to be because he's going to be traded. Uh, I think that's that's why he's not playing. They don't want him to get hurt. But even if it's not Dylan Strom, like Adam Gaudet to me is a better option. You know, he's looked good. He's looked okay. Do you give Tony, I'm going to tickle your fancy with this one probably too early, but do you give Lucas Reichel a good look? He got golden and assist on Saturday in in their you know opener. I love some Lucas Reichel. You do. He's he's like he is like your Gavin Sheets over at Sunset. That's a, that's a good hot take right there. There you go. You're welcome. But Lucas Reichel, I mean, a guy that has more skill and sure he's not ready, and I I think that's why they won't bring him up yet, but. Maybe halfway through this season, once he gets you know a little more used to that North American ice, to your point, Johnny, that's maybe the more skill you get in there to bring some more offensive firepower and get this thing going. But you also have to hope and pray that he's that right time addition where you know him and maybe a, a small trade deadline acquisition can can get you propelled in the playoffs because your big guys start to step up. So that that creates an even bigger issue. It's like, yeah, they have a lot of firepower already, and you'd love to have some more, but you still need more from that other firepower as well. Right, and uh, just one comment on Reichel as we're on him um, is that Bowman did say that he's likely going to play games for the Blackhawks here. It's just a matter of when. They didn't know when. This is training camp talk. So um, I would imagine that, you know, <laughs> things don't go as swimmingly as they uh, should, and, and with the state that they're in right now, uh, it could be sooner rather than later. But at the same time, this team also starts winning some games uh, with pieces that are already here i would imagine that's more of a let them develop some more uh move there so that's the only context i have for a possible reichel sighting you want to talk about something that might extend the podcast another 20 minutes let's talk about how ian mitchell was sent down to rockford you saw eric gustafson tonight well, I mean, if Ian Mitchell is going to play 720, you're basically just playing with five defensemen anyway. So what the fuck's Ian, the difference? Ian Mitchell's, Ian Mitchell's a guy that got some ice time last year. Ian Mitchell's a guy that... In the rebuild that we all long for. In the, in the quote-unquote <laughs> rebuild. Yeah, in the quote-unquote rebuild. But wasn't he one of the guys that was supposed to solidify this whole fucking thing? I think you're forgetting that defensemen take, like, forever to develop. Yeah, but <laughs> what are we doing here? Defense would take like four to five years to develop, Tony. That's just what well, it is. That's and what they wouldn't. And maybe that's okay, also so, so where there was a there was a giant shift in the organizational structure where it was okay, Ian Mitchell's good enough he to He was come up in and here down and, last and, year too. You yeah, I know. rebuild. I, I think Ian Mitchell 
was improperly hyped up by Stan Bowman and gave fans unrealistic expectations that he was going to be an Aaron Eckblad or Kale McCarr, one of these young elite defensemen, sooner than he could potentially be. I think the talent's there, but he was he was the fans are misinformed on the expectation for Ian Mitchell. And I think that's a big wow, problem. Adam Boquist is expendable. Stan loves trading first rounders, Tony. Ian Mitchell's a second rounder, so he's safe. <laughs> Let's play the narrative more. Come Nash on, gotta go. That's the only option. That's the only thing I drew from this. Then, if <laughs> we got to play the narrative, <laughs> it's, it's it's unreal. This is where we talk ourselves in circles to the, the point where we've already touched on something like that. But uh, th- that's how insane an 3 and one start will make you, especially when you have the aspirations that this team does, guys. I think at the end of the day, as we're getting if you're looking for like, overreactions, you come yeah. here. So, yeah. So, well, yeah, you do say it is in the bio. Blackhawks analysis updates and hot takes. These these are right here. Stan told us what this was, and it's time to start winning. And, uh, you know, Seth Jones talking about it, no doubt about it. We need to get back in the uh, win column on Thursday. So what, let's talk about what, what's up next for these Blackhawks. Can they get in the win column here? You have the Vancouver Canucks coming to town. Uh, it'll be the one cane ceremony on Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. Central Time start. Uh, Sunday night, one of those great 6 o'clock starts, Detroit Red Wings in town. Uh, and Guys, I mean, even these teams, it's like black doesn't look like the Blackhawks beat anyone right now. They really don't like that look like they can beat anybody. And and Vancouver, a team that still has a lot of talent, probably top to bottom, maybe has a little better of a bright future, uh, the way things look, you know, at least on paper. Uh, it's gonna be a tough game. And you'd hope they can get the win column. The one cane ceremony, I feel like is a perfect night that that can happen on. Because it's not just them trying to hang on to the past. It's honoring a true legend that's currently on the team. You know, maybe they can feed off that energy and get a little streak going. Because I think Detroit is a, is a beatable team as well. Uh, even though I know they believe they got the win against Columbus tonight. They're still beatable. Like, these are teams that if this team's going to take that next step, they should beat. So, this is the perfect time to get something going. Because at least if you can put a couple of wins together, then you're in a good spot. But Johnny, I... I am very, 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 very concerned about Thursday night. Here's my thing. Out of everybody we've played on the schedule so far, what Johnny said, you know, playoffs are bust. The only potential game we should have had some some problems with was was really the opening night against Colorado. And like, tonight would have been. And, and tonight could have been arguable up and down. And you haven't shown up for any of them since. I throw a ton of recency bias into this and say you've got problems against everybody right now because you haven't yeah. proven that you could win a regular season game so far. Right. Um, go, out, go out and prove me wrong. Yeah, right. Um, as I'm looking at it right now, um, you know, 11.15 p.m. on uh, uh, Tuesday night here, Vancouver 1-2-1. One, one. Um, so they've at least got a win uh, in the books for them. Detroit actually started uh, better than most thought, 2-0-1. Um, for the Red Wings, they got some young talent. Uh, you got Tyler Bertuzzi scoring like eight goals a game. So that's <laughs> uh, it's just, you know, just what you're looking at with, with these opponents. You got guys like Oliver Ekman Larson on the back end for uh, Vancouver coming in on Thursday night. You've got those guys that were just signed, uh, just paid. So who knows? That could lead into a drop off in production since they got it locked up. But either way, uh, Quinn Hughes uh, and Elias Pedersen, uh, both guys uh, that are nasty 
for the Vancouver Canucks. Guys, I'll be there. I'm scared. I mean, I'm excited for the cane ceremony, excited to get back to the UC for the first time since pre-pandemic. Um, but at the same time, I'm kind of scared for what the result on the ice is going to be. Um, you know, uh, hope for the best, but uh, you got to win now. And that's just, it, it's just got to happen. You Seth Jones said it. Jonathan Taves said it. I think in a little bit more eloquent fashion. Seth Jones is pretty much straightforward. We need to get a win on Thursday night. Um, I'm fully in that camp. So, uh, guys, unless you got anything else, we're about done here. So, final thoughts, and uh, we can close her down for four, th- four feathers here. Yeah, my my final thought, Johnny. Uh, I, I I feel like I, I've I've craved talking this little bit of the show. It's something that is so underappreciated, but I think we as panelists enjoy so much because it gives us something to kind of root for individually amongst us at four feathers. That's a stick to click for Thursday. And on his night, he's getting honored boys. Patrick Kane needs to show up and, and put on the, the S in the, in the Superman Cape, like he did in the, uh, in the all-star skills competition years ago and be Patrick Kane, because Lord knows if anybody on this team is going to be a true difference maker, Kaner's got to step up and be that guy right now and try and help turn the tide. Hey, Ron, we've talked about this over and over again on the show. Patrick Kane has the ability to just do things that are special. And we've seen that from him for a decade. I love your pick. I've got to go Dominic Kubelik, though. Just because you took Kane from me. So there you go. That's it. Uh, final thoughts, though, uh, from from everything. This is a live stream. Twitter changed some shit. If you want to comment, we'll throw you up on there. Um, we had uh, Kirk was in here earlier. Uh, Wesley Joe, uh, Wesley Jass, Ty Foss. A couple people commented from Facebook or YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube at ONTAP Sportsnet. Uh, so we can actually interact with you during this show. I don't think we do many live shows from here. This might be one of our, our, our newer ones from the Four Feathers. Uh, but I know, Ron, you guys did that from Cubs. Johnny, we did that from Sox. We like interacting with you guys. You want to have takes throughout the year as we do these shows. Subscribe to the YouTube right now. Probably easiest way for you guys to get in there and comment on some of this stuff. Um we want to have that interaction with uh, people who listen to the show and tune into this team uh, the same way we do. It might be cruel to tune into this team every single night, but if you're tuning in here and talking to us, um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll watch it so you don't have to. Yeah. Um, guys, it's, it's a pleasure to be back on the microphone with you. I know I got long-winded on stuff. I'm mad at this mm-hmm. team. I think yeah. you guys know Rightfully that. Rightfully so. Rightfully I think so. I'm, I'm, I'm so mad at this team right now for a lot of things, but it was good to talk it out. It was a good therapy session for me. Ron, it's great to be back on the mic with you. Johnny, we just did a sock show yesterday. It's always great to be on the mic with you. Uh, let's go, Hawks. I've had a couple of beers. We've talked it out. feels better now. Yeah. Uh, Hendrick Bordstrom, uh, pick to click. Or excuse me, stick to click. I was still in baseball mode there. Stick to click for Thursday night as I'll be there. Didn't want to go too much and praise him too much because he had a decent game. Does that mean I could take Gavin Sheets? Up until that turnover um, in in the third period that led to a goal against. Get him on the blue line. (laughs) Earlier on in the game, Henrik Borgstrom looked okay uh, against the Islanders. He's actually uh, creating. uh, Had some nice passes to the middle there. So I'll go with him. uh, Get on the board. Uh, 
when I'm there in attendance on Thursday night. As Tony mentioned, make sure you go and subscribing on YouTube on Tap Sportsnet. Uh, that is where you can go and find all of our shows across all Chicago sports teams. We've got us for Hawks here at Four Feathers, Cubs on Tap, Sox on Tap, Bulls on Tap, Bears on Tap. It's all there. Uh, we'll do live streams with shows just like this, breaking it down, reacting, having some fun spewing some hot takes, all of that. And we can interact with you as well. As long as you comment via YouTube or Facebook um, on tap sports net, you can find us there. Um, you can also find four feathers specifically on social media at four feathers pod um, and at on tap sports net, uh, where there'll be highlights, articles, podcasts, all of that coming from both those accounts. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, go give it a five-star rating and review wherever you listen. Cause that is cool and fucking tough. Gentlemen, that's all I've got for tonight. Been rough so far. Stack some wins, and I think we'll be in a better place next time we get back on here. So, that being said, that was episode uh, season three, episode three of Four Feathers. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks.